Hello, and welcome to the Ecclesia podcast, a place where we share stories and conversations as we explore what it means to live in a holistic Christian missional community. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice we're in a slightly different location today. It's because I'm here in my home office. We just got back from a trip to Colombia. Some of our team went to visit our friends at Iglesia para la Frontera, the church for the border, uh, located between the border of Colombia and Venezuela. During our time there, we were able to talk to Pastor Mauricio, Pastor Isabelina, and hear so many stories of faith, trust, hope and transformation. We were able to share a few of those stories on Sunday, and if you weren't able to see that, I highly suggest you check that video out. We'll link it below and also in the show notes for the podcast. But during our time there, we were really blown away with all the work that's been done over the past several years. When we first met up with our our friends there, it was really, it was disaster relief. They were in crisis. They were feeding people, providing some basic medical care, and now things have changed so much. We're seeing schools, we're seeing entrepreneurial opportunities for particularly young women to change the lives and the lives of their families. It's really been a beautiful transformation. While we were there, we also recorded this podcast episode. So it was Pastor Chris, Pastor Ramon, and our fearless HR director, Cassie O'Haver. They sat down, they talked about what exactly it is that we were doing there. They shared some of their favorite stories from our time there, and also just talked about the broader why. Why do we take these trips? What exactly is it that we're doing with these international partnerships? And what impact does it have on our community here in Houston? It was a really great conversation. We're really excited to share it with you. So without any further ado, here's Chris, Ramon, and Cassie. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and um, we get to do this from time to time. We get to do a podcast that gives you a little more context. Hopefully, you were in church on Sunday, and you got to hear a little bit about the historic partnership that we have at the Venezuela border. We're currently sitting in a building that Ecclesia funded, and I got to tell you, just to sit in it, it's crazy. It needs a lot of work. It's connected to the existing building that our partner here, Iglesia Frontera, has been renting and I just love it. And I love the fact that we're a church in Houston, Texas, which by the way, in Houston, if you meet a Venezuelan these days, they'll tell you there's way more than a million Venezuelans in Houston. I don't know how they made the count or, but they've decided like we're everywhere and and Venezuelans are everywhere because of the crisis here. So, and we get to come right here to the border and we have a a real footprint that I, is making a difference in ways that I can't even begin to describe. So I'm excited today because we're going to talk to Cassie, and Cassie has known about this project like most Ecclesians, but has never seen it up close. And we get to sit in a building. I know, you know, one church that I can find that's buying buildings at the Venezuela border, and that's one of the reasons I love to be an Ecclesian. So. Cassie O'Haver, longtime staff member at Ecclesia. She leads HR, manages our staff and our team. This is your first time to go international with us. And Ramon, the executive pastor who has really uh, owned this project with our partners. Ramon's a Puerto Ricano and he leads our staff beautifully. And I think Ramon and I can definitely share this sense of like, we love it here. Like, oh, yeah. we love the people here. Like our partners here, are people that during the pandemic, we both, we were hurting to see our friends because we knew they were hurting and we missed them and we missed the meals that we've shared together. So 
Ramon and I have this perspective of what it's like, and I, I think that's why I want to hear from Cassie first. Like to be an Ecclesian who's, you've seen sermons from the bridge, you've heard about our partners. What's it like to see it up close, and how does it pull you towards you know your understanding of our involvement in a place like this? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing that when coming on this trip I thought about was um, people ask me, why do you go? Why are you on this trip? And I, um, I would always say that uh, it's about relationship. And that's a hard thing to translate um, and to say that we've got, um, we're just going to care for caregivers. Um, it is evident to me that um, Pastor Maurizio and Isabelina have both been faithful in this community. And it is evident of their work that they've been doing um, and the way that they have um, loved on their community. And um, you're right, this is a is an area and a place that there is, um, com- it's not possible without community. Um, so they are not a church for themselves, they're a church for the community, um, which is what resonates so much with who Ecclesia is. Uh, Ecclesia is, does not exist for herself, it exists for the world. And so to see a church partner um, in another continent doing similar work uh, is really impactful. Um, and they've done it, you know, at a higher kind of more intense scale too in the recent years too. So, yeah, if our air conditioning didn't work one week, you know, <laughs> it'd be a meltdown, like in the kids space, like we wouldn't quite know what to do. Yeah. They, they deal with challenges and security risks and things here. I mean, we've seen it personally when we're here. It's just, you know, and it's one of the reasons some people might think like, care for the caregivers like what does that even mean right and Ramon maybe you can talk more about that like what do you think that means to care for people that I mean we clearly think are amazing people yeah that's that's uh, I'm glad we're tapping onto onto that because it's it's kind of hard to explain to people like what is it that you go and do and if you see images and we're unapologetic on this you'll see us like taking them to nice places and having a nice meal. And um, as we're going to talk in this season, holding this tension of like um, fasting and feasting. And we get the opportunity to like hold that here and kind of like live in that Saturday where like the hope for a resurrection, but like also the morning of how things may not go our well our way. So um, people who work in, in, in ministry, people who work in settings and environments like this, it, it gets lonely and it gets it gets rough. Um, and sometimes you're looking and t- after so many people that you're not fully caring for yourself. And sometimes there's feel, you feel like there's a conflict of interest of like, well, is it time for me to take a breather? And I feel we come in in sometimes unconventional ways. Um, and what I mean by that, again, unapologetically, because we've, we've sourced vacations for, for some of them um, and for them to take time off. Um, and some gifts and again the, the, taking them out to dinner and celebrating them when we are here and at the end of the day like I've for me like I, I've come to terms with the fact that why, why did you come I think half of my answer in connection to why you're asking and care for the caregivers it's showing up showing up and saying like we are here we've been here consistently and this isn't this isn't about us but we're here because we we, we see you, we remember you. You are special to us in, in so many ways. So um, I've noticed that that's care uh, for them. Um, in addition to, again, pampering here and there, as I said, in maybe some unconventional ways, but the value that I've noticed uh, that holding in, in for them individually, for them as a family unit, 
Um, it's, yeah, it's part of kind of like their journey of like taking sprints and taking a breather and being reminded that, hey, we see you, we admire you, you're inspiring us. So you're not only serving this local community, um, you're also serving the global community and we're glad for it. So it's a combination there of like, as we care for them, I think we also, or I also care for my soul because I get exposed to like what God is doing in different parts of the world and through different people that at the end of the day have like the same fears and the same kind of dreams. And so some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, it, it's pretty close to, to, I think, to my heart and to our heart. Like, yeah, there are a lot of people who can fundraise. So maybe that's not our sweet spot. That's one of the things that we kind of say we do. Uh, we can send people um, and help out here and there, but we're not going to be there long term. But I feel like one of the things where we found kind of like our sweet spot, it's in like we can connect, find a partner, be in relationship with them for a long period of time. It'll be good for us. And we've noticed that showing up and caring for them, it's also good for them and for the work that they do in their community. Yeah, th this is such like difficult work. And part of what if you've been watching for a while and tracking with what's happened in Venezuela, you can see an uptick in that things are a little better, right? So things at the border here are a little better. It's, you know, mas tranquilo. It's, it's a little less chaotic. Uh, cars for the first time in seven years are able to cross the bridge, which means people aren't just carrying things back and forth uh, because the supply chain totally broke down in Venezuela. You couldn't get anything. Um, I explained on one of the very first trips. And again, we're here because we're partners with friends in Mexico City. And when I was there, I tell them because I follow what's happening in the world. Because when you're a pastor, it's part of what you got to do. And I would tell people like, my heart's broken for Venezuelans. But it was a place even big aid groups didn't know how to get in. Under Chavez, you couldn't really safely do work inside of Venezuela. And nobody knew. And this friend Diego said, well, we got this church and they're, they're great, but they don't have any resources. And he just said, like, if you're not full of it, essentially, you'll meet me at the border in two weeks, right? And it's a great thing about Ecclesia. We're like, okay, <laughs> all right. And there are a bunch of you that have been here, and we've had, you know, medical folks working here, and, and they're doing water out of here, and, and things have evolved. And now what it looks like is a lot of small projects that are helping people work, because at the end of the day, Paul said, like, you got to work to eat, right? And so they're doing some really great things. And kids are coming over to the school. And the creativity of what they do is just off the charts. But every day we've been here, there's been some troublemaker probably every day. I mean, so they're just every day dealing with problems. And if we can help celebrate them, support them, we help them do this work over the long haul. So that's part of why uh, we're here. And then to put a six-figure amount from our church. Last year, our church ran a deficit. So it's kind of a big deal that we sent over a six-figure amount to Columbia to buy a building. But this building is going to be a resource for the school and the kids. It's crazy. It used to be a house, so there's a little pool. So they did baptisms here a few weeks ago. And the kids in the school get to do a pool party in this tiny little pool. But it's like it's a beautiful thing, and it's our contribution. And it's what I want every Ecclesian to know. When they come to church, like, it's not a it's not about us like what we get to do is is so significant i'm curious if there's any stories you guys have been here longer uh than i've been and one of my favorite things is to get to see things fresh through new eyes right so it's like when you first take your kids to new york city hopefully all of you get this experience like all my kids i got to take individually to new york city when they were little right and the thing i loved about it, it's like wow you know i guess so I, get, I was so giddy for Cassie to come because I'm like, I love it here so much. And if you meet a lot of Colombians, they'll tell you, oh, Cucuta is like the armpit of Colombia. I'm like, 
I don't know, the mountains, the people, the, I love it. I love it. It's not Medellin. I've never been to Medellin. I've never, you know, these are places I've never been, but I love it here. So I'm curious what you've seen, anything that's touched you so far. Um, the story that jumps out the most specifically is um, Isabelina and her care for young women. Um, and so uh, the first day we're here, uh, we're walking through and she's showing us the church and the school and, um, and some of their other projects that they're working on and then takes us into this house here behind us and uh, has a room that she helps host quinceañeras for girls. And what is so unique about it is um, it really is a, is a piece that a piece of the story that can seem so frivolous and secular, and it's just a sort of a passage of time, but um, it's so impactful for young women to be celebrated in this coming to womanhood and, um, and all that it represents. And girls here who would not have the resources in order to be able to get a dress and get shoes and have a balloon arch made for them. And uh, when I think about um, all of the work, I mean, Isabelina opened this drawer and there's just you know, bags and bags of balloons, these tiny, you know, and I'm thinking someone here is blowing up each and every one of these to celebrate one girl. And that's all it matters. And so um, walking through there was truly sacred. Um, it's, it's unique. Um, I think what it told me was that, um, that our secular really can be sacred. Yeah. Um, that celebration and the, the feast days are beautiful celebrations of what God can do in and through community. Every kid needs to be celebrated, right? Yeah. And so to have a marker that we choose to celebrate, especially a young lady as she comes into the most beautiful, awkward, amazing, dangerous, you know, all of it part of life. But it would be really hard for Sabelina and Mauricio to keep celebrating everybody else, right? If they're never celebrated, mm -hmm. right? So we've been blessed to be here for like Pastor Mauricio's birthday, right? So we think it's been accidents most of the time, but it's God's way of saying, celebrate this good man, like celebrate him and tell him he's loved by God, right? Because that's the only way he has the energy to keep doing what he does. And you walk. Our crew today got to go walk uh, just the Simone Bolivar Bridge. And, um, you know, Mauricio's fearless. And, and a couple of the people, Juan David, one of our amazing brothers and partners here, is like, he's a little scared sometimes. Mauricio feels comfortable because he's personally helped serve and feed and care for so many people that he walks around and there's a gravitas to this man because he's just offered his life in service. And it's just, it's really fun to see. I mean, for me, it's actually his story that resonates in, in, in this season, like um, it is meaningful. And I, and I hope like we land at some point in the podcast that we're able to tell, tell people what's been the journey from like almost nothing to like many things running now. Um, but for me, it was as we were interviewing him, um, again, hearing his, his story, which is not new to me, um, but as I'm celebrating the work that we get to do as Ecclesia, um, I'm trying to listen to his story and what does his story mean to me um, as, as a pastor, as a local pastor that um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it, he's a very normal guy. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah. uh, to see him again, tell the story of, of faith with sometimes may sound a little bit, a little bit of a cliche to what we had faith, but now I've seen it. Like I cannot negate that. Like five years after four or five, five years after, seeing a guy that was dreaming about some things um, and seeing that come to fruition. But I, I, for me, it's looking at him and saying, 
you were afraid to take a, a leap of faith, um, yet you took it and look at how many people have been blessed. So like, I feel like anyone's story, my story connects with, I was like, I, you want to do a podcast on my insecurities and why like, so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I got ideas and I think I could like the body of Christ could be blessed by some of those ideas, but like then fear takes over and like business of light takes over. So I'm looking at him telling that story. I was like, he had no resources. Like he's no. a human being kind of like me. Like, why am I not going for it as well? So to dive into the story, let's do our best to do the time that we come make our first visit. We, we um, make friends in Mexico City. Diego says, come. We don't know anybody here other than our friend Diego. We get here. Mauricio has a very small church in Cucuta, but it's in the downtown area and not in the border area. And people in Cucuta, Colombians, they, they have a xenophobia about Venezuelans, right? They don't really, they're not trying to go closer to Venezuelans. They're trying to move further away, there's right? A, there's this a migration is, crisis. Yeah, so like it creates so, a tension in the yep. city. The infrastructure is not ready for them. So, yep. so, so there's this, Colombians tend to, not everybody, but tend to look down, be bothered, afraid of the security crisis. A lot of the same things that we've heard in the United States when there's an immigration crisis. And clearly uh, there is. Mauricio despite the fact that probably nobody in his church, I don't know how many people wanted him to do it, went and rented this beautiful, massive building with money he didn't have and no way to build it out, right? And we come along and he's like, I rented this building and now we're just like doing what we can. He wanted to feed people, but there was no kitchen, right? So we went, boom, we, we helped build the kitchen, right? And then he had ideas for, you know, how many other projects like right off the bat? He had many ideas. Yeah, he just, it was constant, <laughs> Well, right? the thing is like now some of them have come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them, bakery yeah. and, you uh, know, they were making things and, and we yeah, realized we like there, with were, that idea. there were certain things that just made sense, right? At Christmas, the panda jamon that's typical for yeah. Venezuelans, they started yeah. making. We had a great project with hayacas, which is tamales. Um, it, I got to come and do a trip all my, by myself, which never happens. It was just, but it was beautiful, right? We had all these Venezuelan pastors. One of the really cool things that's happened again on this trip, just so you know, Venezuelans, like all of us, I think escape in sports. Um, so we all do, right? The World Cup for a lot of places in the world that are hard. We watched famously like what was happening in Iran. Like Iran's in crisis, but the World Cup was like this the sweetness in the midst of it. And one of the things you learn quickly here is Venezuelans love baseball and they love Jose Altuve. So the Astros have sent, I've got one of the rings. Like I think they gave us like a thousand of these rings, right? And 3000 backpacks. We're trying to get all of them here that are backpacks for kids. And we're able to pass those on. And some would go like, what, why would we, well, first we're feeding people, but these small gifts, right? They just tell people they're seen, right? And you give a kid an Astros ring, right? <laughs> it just, it becomes their most treasured possession. So we developed great friendships through Mauricio and he has become um, like a bishop over all these churches in Venezuela that need help and coordination and a funnel for us to find people that needed help and, and fund and participate in projects. And we've gain this massive family, right? I mean, it's all these people that if you go to my Facebook page or something and you look and see any fun thing that happens in my life, it gets commented on by pastors in Venezuela who are praying for me. Like, they're praying for me? Like, it, it just like, you get days, you're so humbled. Like, you know, your money went from, you know, it dropped by 95% and you're praying for me, you know? Um, it's just, it's a beautiful gift. And, and he has been the conduit, he and Isabelina for all of that. And then you've just got random people like our friend Carlos, and we can say in the most, 
affectionate way, like Carlos is a nut, right? He's crazy. He's just, he's a living party. And he's always up here just working, working, yeah. working, working. He just serves people well. And Houstonians at Ecclesia's Christians, we like people that put their money where their mouth is, right? And Carlos just like works and serves. So I get inspired to go back and work like Carlos, right? I get inspired to go back and laugh like him or uh, Paula. I mean, she's just faithful and kind, but leads yeah. these projects so well. Um, so that's those are the things we gain. So in closing, anything that as we come back, what do you what do you see the future here? What do you like? Why is it important for Ecclesia to still be involved? Uh, I um, yeah, that's a loaded question. So I'll I'll take my best short stab at it. Um, Coming back on this trip again, this is my, I think, fifth time over the course of four years and seeing like an empty building that needed fixed up and seeing how like it's been kind of put together. And now like the building, I mean, we talk, we tried, we talk about an ecclesia and we try to use our buildings as much as we can, but these guys are way ahead of the game. Like <laughs> in the way this venue, it's getting flipped for church but also then for a schooling program and then there was also a, like one side of the room where they're making shoes and then another side of the room where they uh, have sewing machines and, and making garments and then there's the bakery at the other so they're fully utilized in the space and now this new building like they and moved the, the kitchen's kitchen. been feeding people for it's been i mean thousands of so uh, to see it's a good reminder number one of god's faithfulness in, in faithful servants which is one of the things that i take home and I think you can be a faithful servant anywhere in the world, whether you're called to the workplace or whether you're called to like full-time quote unquote ministry. Um, so like it is a reminder to me that God is at work everywhere. Um, I think it is, it is outstanding for me to look at the growth of like, it takes time. I think a reminder yeah. that God is at work and processes take time. And now like we have, again, four things happening like in this building. Um, also like, my personal journey, our partnership, like a reminder, like there's a time for feeding people. There's a time for, for every season and seeing them go through the seasons of like there was a need for feeding people where they took it up a notch and they fed a thousand people a day. We're like, OK, that's not yeah. longer the time. We have a longer term vision. Um, and if I mean, if you were on like in Sunday at church on Sunday, if you haven't listened to the to the sermon, like I suggest going there. But like their passion, it is on like giving this people like a kind of like a an opportunity to succeed. They do that through different programs that are happening. So yes, feeding people is important. Yes, celebrating is important. So if you've come up to this part of the podcast and it's kind of like, well, celebrating sounds kind of like shallow to me. I hope that's not the case. Well, let me tell you, that's not the only thing that's happening. They are young ladies, they're young guys who are getting an opportunity that otherwise they were not getting anywhere. It's like, it's an entrepreneurship, it's in education. So their holistic approach uh, makes the way that we say holistic, like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's just- It it's reminds just say, us what it really means. Yes, it takes yeah. it up a notch. Yeah. So yeah, to, like, to kind of like sum it up, I think there is a value collectively for us as a community where we are reminded that God is at work and like we are inspired by it. Um, I think also personally, it's, it's, we are seeing stories of transformation and I, I think we all need Jesus. I think we all need God. I think we all need to be inspired. We all need to be celebrated. And that happens here. That happens over there. I go back home being inspired by Mauricio and I knew his story, but I'm inspired asking myself, like, I mean, he went for it. Like, what am I waiting for in some of the areas that I, I think, I'm, I think God is calling me to do. So yeah, yeah. some of that in there. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll add that, you know, watching the youth here is remarkable. I mean, they serve this church as many full-time staff do, you know, and, um, watching them run sound and slides and lead all of worship um, on Sunday. Um, I mean, there was like a seven piece all girl band up there. It's just <laughs> remarkable. Oh, well, there was and, Jeremy in there as and well. And Jeremy was in there as well. <laughs> uh, um, but watching their hunger for the, for the gospel, for, for Jesus is so evident. And I think what, um, I think when you come to somewhere like this in a season of desperation and has been through seasons of desperation, um, but there is such a joy and a hunger that really can't be replaced by anything than through the good word of the gospel. So um, that's been the most impactful thing. I mean, you know, ditto to everything Ramon said, it's, um, they're, they are really, I mean, they, are creative and they're jumping, you know, just trying things out and never know what'll work. And they're leaning into these personal relationships with, you know, with multi-generational families and then these youth that maybe didn't have family. And um, there's so many stories that um, each one is unique, um, but they're walking as closely as they can with each individual in their, in their care. I think for me, just to close out this part of our time, like I, I'm I'm constantly hearing from people that have just basically deconstructed their faith and, and they're not sure what they're left with. And that's something that everybody has to do. Like at Ecclesia, we've never been afraid of doubt, right? So it's okay to doubt. But one of the reasons that I can go, like I know, I've known what I've been able to hold on to is I've been a part of a community at Ecclesia that understands the gospel is good news. Like it's gotta be good news for everybody. And you're here on the ground, you're just reminded like, what we do is good news to people. It's exciting to people. It brings joy and health and healing. And, you know, to meet a sister, as some of the folks will get to hopefully this week, who has her leg because our church exists, right? Like, that's a gift. Um, and I, I just am reminded, like, that. those are the things we hold on to. We don't have any dogma that we're that serious about. But the fact that we're made to do good in the world and to bring God's love and kindness and to support those that are our heroes, right? So Mauricio and Esabelina, their mansion's gonna be better than anybody at Ecclesiastes in heaven, right? Just, we just hope we get to visit. But in the meantime, like, we're gonna take them to dinner and we're gonna tell them we love them and that we admire them and that you admire them. And we're gonna give them a couple of gifts and we're gonna give them some Astros things to give to the kids at school so they can do all of that and, and share those with Venezuelan pastors. So I hope by listening to this, you get a little more story and context. I hope all of you at some point in our journey get to make a trip here. You'll fly a red eye and another red eye going back. I just got in and you know all night, no sleep, but, but it's so worth it when you get here. So God, I just thank you that we're un familia. We're one big family and um, that we have brothers and sisters that we absolutely love and, and that all of uh, all of you, all Ecclesians have brothers and sisters, but maybe they haven't met yet, but we belong together and we walk together. And we're just so grateful for the joy that we get to have of being a part of things in the world that matter, that are good, that are true, that are beautiful, that are kind. So whatever we're doing today, Lord, may we lift up our brothers and sisters here and may we continue the work of kindness and never grow weary in doing what's right and good. We pray this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's because of the generosity and support of people like you that we're able to make an impact not only here in Houston, but around the world. 
If you'd like to know more about what's going on with the Colombia-Venezuela border or with any of our partners, please feel free to go to our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org. This was a special episode of the podcast that we recorded just while we were in Colombia, but season two is going to be coming out soon. And so if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and connect with us on social media so you can see when the next episodes will be coming out. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.